Amen. Kiddos and students, you're dismissed. Everybody grab a seat. Thank you for being here tonight. Give the kids a hand as they go. Come on. I got extra pens. Good job, man. Scott, you did good, man. Yeah. For once, I've been, y'all, I've been training him and trying to teach him how to sing and whatnot. When he came in tonight, he was talking about the song selection for the worship service and I told him to do Rocky Top, Family of God, and close the Rocky Top, but he didn't want to. Amen? Sinner. Um, but no, we're grateful for uh, uh, them. I like everybody in here to start the services off on Wednesday night. What we're going to do tonight, we're going to go a little different. We're going to start with our Bible study, and we're going to close with our time of prayer, okay? So we're going to start with our Bible study tonight, and then we're going to close with our time of prayer. So take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Proverbs. We're going to be in a very familiar passage of Scripture uh, that you probably know very well. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter number 3. Proverbs chapter number 3. Now, you know what a, a proverb is? A proverb is a a general principle, a general rule, if you will, that when applied generally, it'll generally work. Does that make sense? That's a good way to understand a Proverbs. And again, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter number three. Man, that was awesome. Uh, I just love seeing all the kiddos and having a Wednesday night baptism. Uh, it's awesome. Um, I've, that's the second one I've ever done. But if you want to get baptized tonight, we've got water. Just come on up at the end and uh, we'll do that for you. But uh, it's just a blessing to be able to start with baptism, and I'm so grateful for our baptismal team that always helps and uh, gets everything ready. Kenny fills that water up, and um, we chart, he pays the water bill around here, okay? And then uh, the ladies and everybody helps. It's just a blessing. And then having Scott leading worship for us tonight, that was cool. And then to see all the, our children and our student ministry team here tonight ministering to the kiddos. And then I just heard a baby crying through the door. So I'm grateful for our nursery people here tonight. I'm just happy to be at Grace tonight. How about you? Amen. Amen. Uh, let's look at our verse. Proverbs chapter number three. And I'm going to start in verse number five. Proverbs chapter number three. I'm going to start in verse number five. It says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path now for just a moment now we're going to be talking about a subject we talk about often around here and there's a reason for that but think about yourself where you're at in your life who you are uh, what what makes up the person that you are where you are in your life um, in this day and age it's something that really nobody really takes responsibility for anymore much less anything but the truth is you are who you are where you are doing what you're doing because of choices that you've made in life. Uh, choices. Now, you may have had a different start than somebody else or a bumpy road in the middle, but the truth is we're all where we are right now because of decisions and choices that we have made in our lives. When you get to the bottom line, life is nothing more really than a series of decisions. There's no telling how many decisions you made today. You never even thought about it. You know, getting out of, well, you thought about that when getting out of bed, you thought once, thought twice. Then you thought about your mortgage and you got on out of bed, right? And you went to work. But whether what you major in in college, what you do is for a career, uh, who you marry. Uh, some of you, how many children that you had, that was a choice. The work that you do, the place that you live. We're the result in many ways of all the choices and the decisions that we make uh, in life. And we've all made two types of decisions. I kind of uh, summarize these two decisions this way. We've made good decisions and well, Scott, bad decisions, bad, good decisions, 
and bad decisions. And I bet all of us in here could talk about some of the bad decisions uh, that we've made, right? We've all made, I mean, uh, made decisions and like, we're like, that was stupid. I don't know what I was thinking. Why did I do that? Um, wouldn't it be wonderful if we didn't have that kind of regret? Like if we didn't go, you know, we always made the right decision, always made the right choice, always went in the right direction and always did the right thing. Wouldn't, that would be amazing. And now we're never going to be perfect, but the truth is that God wants to help us in our decision-making process. God isn't, you know, he's not out there somewhere. He didn't wind up the clock of the universe and then let it go. And he's just back here passively watching. Our God is active and moving in the life of uh, this world and his people. Uh, and uh, he wants to help you with your choices and your decisions, man. And the way he does that is through his will, right? Uh, you never, ever can make a wrong decision when you're doing what God wants you to do. If you're doing what God, the, the perfect will of God, it's always the right decision, regardless of the consequences. So the question is, how do you know God's will? Now, we talk about this often around here. One of the reasons why we're talking about it, again, one of the, here at Grace, my number one, if I had to do a list, I should do a, Alicia, write this now, summer sermon series, uh, what the preacher gets asked. Number one would be, how do I know what God wants me to do? And, and, and that question takes on all kinds of, you know, hey, should I do this? Should I do that? How do I know that God wants me to do this? How, should I take this job? What do you think? And, and all these things. And, but overriding, the, ultimately what the question is, what is God's will for my life? What am I supposed to be doing? How am I supposed to be doing it? Now, I wish I could just tell you to go look in the Bible. There it is. Now, that would work for a lot of questions, just to be honest. God's revealed his will to us in the Word, but often it's not that simple. Now, my in-laws aren't here tonight. And so, now my mother-in-law, Diane, y'all know Diane and Steve, right? Most of you, Diane and Steve, just meaner and horny. And, um, and she claims that she, all, we're live streaming right now on Facebook. And she claims that she's always watching. And I bet she's not watching live. They're in Wyoming. But this is a test to see if she watches the playback. Diane, if you don't comment on this video, you didn't watch it. Amen? All right. So listen, y'all going to tell her, aren't you? I, got, I sensed it from this side of the room. Y'all going to wrap me out. But listen, this is a true story. One time, Steve and Diane were kind of going through a hard patch, and they wanted to know what God's will for them was. And they did this silly thing that sometimes believers do. They just flipped open the Bible and decided to point at a verse. And Steve said, I just need a verse. Diane said, well, I need a verse too. And he said, well, I'm just going to open up the Bible, flip, and I'm going to put my finger down. And where it lands, that's God's verse, you know, for me. And so, uh, all right, so Steve flipped in the Bible and he put his finger on his verse, had his eyes closed, put his fingers down. He was almost afraid to see what it said. He looked down there where his finger was and it said, Judas went out and hung himself. <laughs> well, he looked at Diane and said, well, ladies first, that must have been your verse, right? I've got the wrong one. And so Steve was kind of shook up about that. So he decided to try again and he flipped through and he put his finger in the verse and that verse said, Go and do likewise. Amen. <laughs> that flippity in the Bible pointing to verse thing, that doesn't work. That doesn't work, right? And uh, so, but the good news is God does want to guide you. God, I'm in so much trouble with my mother-in-law. Okay, God, I just realized everything I've been saying. And so, all right, y'all pray for me. So listen, 
God does want to guide you. God does want to direct you. He does want to point you in the right direction. God wants you to know his will. And when you study the Bible, there's three kinds that I'm going to mention tonight. But basically, there's three kinds of the will of God uh, that you can know when we talk about the will. Look at this next slide right here. The first one is you've got God's providential will. God's providential will. What this is, this is what God's going to do and nobody can stop it. This is what God's going to do and nothing and nobody can. He has decreed. He has decided. Jesus is coming back someday. Nothing and nobody can stop it. God's providential will. Now, the next one, look at this next line. This is uh, the, I call it the practical. I'm going to be honest because we're dealing with peace tonight and preachers like that when things start with the same letter. Uh, but you can think of this as the moral will of God. The practical. It's the things that you would find in the Bible. Right? God's told us morally what he expects. We kind of know, right? Of the Ten Commandments and all the commandments in the Bible. We kind of know what the moral will of God is. He's, and when it comes to right and wrong, there's really not any gray areas when it comes to the word of God. Most of our questions are asked right here in the practical or moral will of God. Matter of fact, look at this next slide. Most of your questions, 95% of the will of God for our lives has already been revealed in the word. Most things. And, and what happens is we start questioning when we don't like it. You know, you know what I'm saying? That's usually when we're like, oh, what does God want me to do about this? Well, he wants you to stop sleeping with her and marry her. Right? What does God want me to do about this? He wants you to stop cheating on your taxes. It's not, you know, right? He's revealed his will in his word. You know, wow, what should I do with this? You know, my mother-in-law's trying to kill me, right? I mean, whatever God has revealed in his word, most of the moral areas of our lives, we don't have to think through it. It's just generally speaking, we don't like it. And that's when we begin to question it and it kind of hits us where we live. But then this next one is what we're going to focus on tonight. Look at this next line. There's also the personal will of God. And when I say personal, I mean personal for you, for me, God's personal will for your life. Uh, And this is the part that many of us really do struggle with. Because it's in that gray area. Do I take this job or do I take this job? Do we live here or do we live there? Right? Do we get married or don't we get married? Do I date this person or do I not date this person? Do I buy that? Do I not buy that? And one of the marks that you're really serious about God is when you include him in those kinds of decisions. God, should I do this? Should I go there? Uh, Lord, you know, is this, is this you opening a door or am I about to get in something that I shouldn't be messing with? God, what, what are you calling me to do in this situation? That's a sign that you really are operating and living uh, with God intimately, that you want his answer on questions like that, everyday type decisions. But for us to know what God's will is for us in our life and everyday uh, um, decisions, we've got to get in the right position. We've got to get in the right place. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. But the first thing, number one, write this down. If we're going to know, we're going to have to trust him as Savior, first of all. It always starts here. We've talked about this enough. You know this. It always starts with trusting Jesus. Right? You're not going to know the will of God when you don't know God. And apart from Christ, you don't know God. That's just the way it is. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Let's look at it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's the first step, to trust him. Right? With all your heart, with your life, with everything, to trust him to save you. Right, look at this next slide. I mean, if you don't have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're not going to know God's will. God's will is for you to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And until you do that, he's not going to be revealing other things to you. You need a relationship with God. And once you take that step in trusting him as Savior, then he can begin showing you his will. Now, it's interesting that word trust 
uh, there in verse 5, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That word trust in the original language, it means to lay down on, to sprawl out on something. That's what it means to trust. In other words, it's, it's really easy. To, it's like us when we get in the bed. Most of us, when we get in our bed, we're not thinking, is it going to hold us up tonight? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's why they call it jumping in the bed, you know. You, or she done jumped in bed, you know, whatever it is. Because most of us aren't sleeping with one foot on the floor, you know, hoping the bed doesn't collapse or holding onto the banister or whatever, right? When we lay in bed, what? We trust it, don't we? We don't even think about it. This is going to, everything's going to be okay. And that's what this is talking about, the same kind of trust. When he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. You can basically just sprawl out completely, trust God. you got to trust him with all of your heart. And it's harder than it sounds. Let me give you kind of a working definition of trust. Look at this next slide. When it comes to God, trust is whenever you say yes to whatever God wants you to do before you know what it, that is. And we hammer this all the time here too. You say yes before you even know what it is. The real problem isn't finding God's will. The hard part is, uh, is actually doing it and saying yes. There's two questions that are always, when you want to know God's will, you ever talk to somebody, they won't answer your question except with a question? Hey, Alicia, where are we eating at? I don't know. Where do you want to eat? I don't know where you want to eat. I don't know where you want to eat. No, she's never asked that, right? I'm going to be honest. If she's not cooking, she can pick a restaurant. Amen? Boom. But... We're, we're like this. Here's how the conversation goes. God, what's your will? What do you want me to do? And then God says, will you do it? And then you say, God, what do you want me to do? And he says, will you do it? And we say, God, what do you want me to do? And he says, will you do it? I got news for you. God's never going to really answer first. You have to answer first, and then God will take care of the rest. Uh, uh, in effect, God wants you to sign a blank contract. He fills in the details. Look there at the last part of verse 5. Proverbs 3 says, lean not on your own understanding. Um, you won't believe this, but that word lean means leaning in the original language. I know. And, but what it, it literally means to support yourself on something else. So in other words, we're not supporting ourselves on our worldly wisdom, but on God. Right? Our first resource should be God. We talked about this often, but many times God is our last resort, isn't it? When everything goes bad and we lose the job and everything is falling apart and, you know, whatever it is and the health crisis and, you know, and, and all of that. And um, my mother-in-law watches this video and then when we're in trouble, then we call out to God. And but the truth is God should be our first uh, reaction, our first step, not the last step. Here's why. Look in your notes. Jeremiah 10 verse 23 says, oh, Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. What's he saying? The way of a man, the way that a man should live his life is not in himself. We don't have the answers in of ourselves. He says, it is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. There's no way you can run your own life and make all your own decisions and really get it right. You can't do it. You don't have what it takes. You can't make all the decisions for you and your family apart from God. You want to know why? You don't know the future. I don't know the future. But who does? God knows the future. Look at this next slide. Because God knows the future, God knows what is going to be best for your future. Right? You have no idea the ripples that are made by every choice that you make and the decisions and the ripples and, and that it causes. Some things that you'll never even be aware of on this side of eternity. 
I mean, the small things that maybe seem insignificant to you, but maybe end up making a big difference in the life of some. Just following through and getting baptized. You never know who's testim- who needs to see a baptism and God finally convinced them, that's what I need to do. I need to trust Jesus. I need to be baptized. But any small decision, just by being at church tonight, you don't know who you're encouraging. Just by be- Just a little ripple in the water because you don't know the future, but God knows the future. Now, once you've put all your trust in God and you've trusted him completely, let's go to number two. Write this down. Then we can follow God as our model. As our, as, as our, our, he's our Messiah, he's our Savior, but he's also our model. We should try and strive to live like Jesus lived. Look at verse six in your Bible. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Now, that word acknowledge in the original language means something different than what we think of today. Like, we think of acknowledging like this. Hey, what's up? How you doing? Right? We, I've acknowledged you, right? Uh, you, know, you, you know what I'm saying? A tip of the hat, a smile, a wave. We think we're acknowledging or I, I recognize, I see you, right? That's what we think of when we think of the word acknowledge. But in the Bible, in Scripture, specifically in the Old Testament language, when we see the word uh, acknowledge, it means to f- focus and follow. It, it's, it's, um, it's not just the observation, and it's not a casual observation. It's laser-like, intense focus and following. Those two things go together. And all your ways, focus and follow him. That's what the verse is saying. And he shall direct your paths. Your ways, what are your ways? And all your ways, that's how you live. That's whether you're living like a pagan or not. If you're living like a godly man, a godly woman, a good Christian, a bad Christian, a hypocritical Christian, right? Your ways is how you live. And sometimes in Christianity, it's been this thing that's been rattling around in my bald head recently, is this idea that sometimes we get so spiritual, we think it doesn't apply to the physical. And what good does the spiritual me have if it doesn't have any connection to the physical me that God has here right now? God is not calling me to be some holy, sanctified person on the inside only if it doesn't have any application to how I'm living my life. What good does it do? Right? What does Adrian Rogers say? To be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. There's a lot of truth. Right? So we acknowledge, we focus, and we follow uh, God and by the way that we live our life. The moral choices, the moral decisions that we make, man, just how we conduct ourselves. In other words, how you get in position to follow God's will for your life Uh, you've got to have this laser beam focus on God and that has to impact how you live your life, right? You make your decisions based, mm, you make your decisions. How do you acknowledge God in all your ways and all of that? You make your decisions based on what he's already shown you in his word. Now, the first means, first of all, you got to get in his word, right? But you've got to make your decisions based on this. 95% of your decisions are already answered right here. And when you're trusting that, look at this next slide. Ultimately, God only really reveals his will to a heart that is clean and committed. Now, no, we're not talking about perfection, right? All right. Let's do a survey. All the perfect people jump up and jump in the baptistry. No takers. Why? Because we know we all sin and we all come in. Nobody. None of us are perfect. We wish that we were. I hope that would be your desire, that you would live sinless before your God, but you won't. But God's only going to reveal his will to 
people that are serious about doing business with him. If you're doing daily what you know God wants you to do, God will direct your ways, your paths when you ignore. To live daily in the reality of what you already know God wants you to do, that's acknowledging him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. When you, every day, you're just striving, I just want to live in light of the revelation that God has already given me through his word. I know some things are right, some things are wrong, and I just want to walk in that. That is acknowledging God. And when we acknowledge God, he'll show us what to do. And all your ways, how you live your life, have a laser-like focus on God, and then he will direct your paths. Right? I feel, God's just not, I don't feel like he's speaking to me. It's probably because you haven't been speaking to him. And you haven't been living in the reality of the revelation that he's already given you. Uh, now, we're Baptists. We don't talk about this very much. But a lot of people want a new revelation. Want a new word from God. Right? I'm going to be honest. They wouldn't want it if they read the old word. This is sufficient for living this Christian life. We don't need a new thing. We don't need a new something dangling, a new shiny thing, a new something to be chasing after. God has given us his will and his ways right here in this word that has never changed and will never, ever change. It won't change for me and it won't change for any of us, right? And, and when we acknowledge him, live in that reality, that's when uh, he continues uh, to show us how we should live and let us know what we should do. Write this down. Here, here, here it is, summed up. When you're living out God's practical will, he will show you his personal will for your life. When I'm living out practically what God has called me to do, then he will show me, uh, help me with more personal decisions. You know, uh, God, the answer to God, should I take that job or not, is going to come easier when you're living in the practical will of God. Right, God, should I marry her or not? That's going to become more obvious when I'm in the practical will. God, should I move to this state? Should I make this decision? Should I go to this church? Should I do this thing? Right? It, it, those answers come easier when we know that we're operating in the practical will of God. But if you don't, he won't. It's really that simple. If you're looking for a godly person to marry, be a godly person. If you're, you know, if you're asking, if you want God to bless your business, be a godly businesswoman. Be a godly businessman, right? Be honest, be fair. Don't lie on your taxes. Um, if you want God's blessing on your marriage, uh, then be faithful to your spouse. Stop flirting with men at work. Stop looking at pornography. You want God's blessing on your family and your children? That's a good place to start. Put yourself into position right in the right position morally so that you can be under the voice of God so that he can direct your paths to hear God's voice now one uh, once those two things happen number three write this down then the next step we need to obey God right we're practically obeying him his personal we need to obey God as our Lord he's not just our model but he is our Lord Right up to this point, if you look at the verse, everything's on us. It's us, it's us, it's us. The ball is in our court. But now notice what God's part is. Proverbs 3, verse 6. The last part of verse 6, and he shall direct your path. You know, so directing your path, that's God's personal will 
for your life. That's what that means. That's what it's referring to. God says, when you trust me as Savior, you follow me, right? Uh, The life that I've modeled for you, right? And you obey me, then I will direct you personally, right? Um, Somebody once asked, you know, how do I get to know the will of God? How do you get to know God? And somebody said this, and I wish I could give them credit. They said, I don't get to know God so that I can do his will. I get to know God by doing his will. That's a big difference. I don't get to know God so that I can do his will. The way I really get to know God is by doing his will. Imagine if you're dating somebody, you're, you're dating, and, uh, you, and you have extreme opposite things that you like to do. And let's pretend like your husband is a race car driver, okay? And you, but you never, ever go to the races. Never. I ain't saying you got to go every night. Yeah, never go. Never, ever go, right? You never look at it. No, you don't participate in that part of his life at all. Every weekend, he is gone, 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 gone to the racetrack. And you just have, uh uh-oh, we got race car people in here. But listen, you go to the race. And like, you never, ever, I don't mean all the time, but you never participate in that at all you at all you don't know that part of their life there's a whole blank there's a blank there you don't know them that way you know the monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday guy that hangs around your house but the saturday night ramming that race car into other cars and cussing them out guy you don't know that guy (laughs) do you see what i'm saying I don't get to know God so that I can do his will. I get to know God by doing his will. And it's just like how people we care about, we know, God by, we know them by spending time with them and understanding who they are as a person. The way we get to understand who God is um, as uh, our heavenly father is by moving and operating in his will. In his will is where we find his presence. And in his presence is where we get to know him in a more deeper, meaningful way than we'll ever get to know them, know him. Now, if you knew ahead of time how every decision was going to turn out, you would make the right decision. Right? But we don't. There's some good, look in your notes, Isaiah 42, verse 16. This tremendous verse in Isaiah says, I will bring the blind by a way they did not know. I would lead them in paths they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked places straight. These things I will do for them and not forsake them. And then just 16 chapters later, in Isaiah 58, 11, it says this, the Lord will guide you continually. That's a promise from God and God doesn't break his promises. God's will is not a mystery and it's not necessarily mystical. God wants you to know his will more than you want to know his will. But you won't know it until you want to do it, whatever it is. And you won't know it until you're following closely behind the Lord your God. You're going to live your life. Let me look at this next slide. You're going to live your life basically on three different levels. Okay. Three different levels. Level one, I do what I want to do. That's where most Americans are today. I do what I want to do. Ain't nobody telling me what to do. I do what I want to do. Right. And then level two is probably where most Christians are. I do what I think I ought to do. Does that make sense? I think I feel like this is the right thing. This is probably where most Christ followers live. It's better than level one, but it's not where you need to be. And then level three, I do what God leads me to do. And that's what God, that's where God wants us to be, where we're doing what he is leading us to do. Now here's the key, write this down. Here's the key takeaway of this whole thing. 
When you put God in his rightful place, God will put you in the right place. When God is in his rightful place in your life, when he's on the throne of your life, then God will direct your path. He'll make sure you're in the right place. Now, the right place might mean persecution. The right place might mean difficult times and a difficult season. The right place may not be comfortable and it may not be fun. But when you're in the right place that God has called you to, that is the safest place in the world. And it's the place that you want to be. That will be God's will for your life. When you put God in his rightful place, he's going to have you exactly where you're supposed to be. How do I know? Well, the Bible tells me so. First Timothy chapter two, verse 14 says this, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. Now, what does that mean? Desires all men to be saved. God wants every man and woman, boy and girl to be saved. Anybody comes up with another doctrine that says anything contrary to that, just really goes against the Bible. And I just want to put them in a headlock. Amen. God wants every man, woman, boy and girl to be saved. I know it's true. The Bible says it. Who desires all men to be saved and what? And come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants you to know him. And he wants you to know yourself as well. If you're already a follower of Jesus, then you have to put your life at his disposal by completely trusting him and acknowledge him in all your ways, how you live your life. When you put God in his rightful place, then he'll put you and your marriage and your family and your babies, your grandbabies, whatever, in the right place may not be the comfortable place that's not what i'm saying but you'll be in the right place and if you put god in his rightful place you'll be in the right place and when you're in the right place that's when god can use you in the right way for his glory and ultimately for your own good in his will and trust me that's the best place to be not always the most comfortable but it is the best place to be amen amen let's pray let's pray Father God, thank you so much for your word. We love you. And Lord, I just pray that we as your people will trust you and acknowledge you in all our ways. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.